0: Yates on Sunday
1: on News Talk. Brought to you by SSE Electricity Business Energy. Proud to power businesses all over Ireland.
2: Energy at
1: work for you.
2: To start off, we're joined by our panel to discuss some of the stories in the morning's newspapers, review the past week and preview the next week. On one side of my table is an author. He writes the political Bible that is the Tallyman 's campaign handbook. He also wrote a book on the history of Fianna Fáil, a party he actually ran for some 30 years ago in 1997. He's now a smart barrister, a columnist at the Irish Times. Noel Wheeling, good morning to you. Have, your, have you your draft of the 2017 election? ready to go?
3: I have, just for the amendment. once the constituency redraws are announced in a few weeks' time. Um, 1997 is 20 years ago. Don't make me sound older than I
2: <laughs> <now>. <laughs> <laughs> Just seeing that you're awake this Sunday morning. <laughs> I read out this stuff, you know. Uh, also uh, around us, it's a pleasure to have the group political editor of the INM newspapers, Finon Sheen. Uh, I reckon it's great
4: like no to be demoted but, yeah. you know? I, 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 <laughs> now I that I'm editor
2: of the Irish Independent Diamond it's a bit I, like calling you Minister for Agriculture yeah. era, like, you know? I reckon uh, the only day he has off is a Saturday and what does he do on a Saturday he goes to Balneslough to watch the Fine Gael leadership Bunfist I, I, I was appalled to find there was no avocado lattes <laughs> no, no, and no. finally making up our trio is the former Fine Gael TD <laughs> and Minister for Justice Nora Owen
0: who is and, over 30 years and, and who <laughs> is just
2: recovering from a rather wet Guns and Roses in Slain, I'm yeah, told. Yeah, no, a First Communion, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All <laughs> right, let's take, a, before we come to our panel, let's take a look at the Sunday papers. Uh, the Sunday Independent has a profile interview uh, done on Friday in his home with Leo Radker, uh, with Barry Egan. Matt, who's his partner for the last two years, makes me a better man, says Leo. I don't plan to bring my partner to state events. He has a day job as a cardiologist. The Minister for Justice hits out ODCE not fit for purpose. We'll discussing the four out of the Shawnee Fitz collapsed trial. The Sunday Business Post has a very interesting poll uh, showing Fianna Fáil down to 21% and Fine Gael up to 29%. But on the leadership thing, they have 41% for Leo, 39% for Simon. But their lead is uh, a story from previous tapes they had with Shawnee Fitzpatrick. The Lost Tapes, new tapes shed more light on Anglo uh, collapse. The Sunday Times goes with Garda Chief's phone missing in smear probe. This is the probe by uh, Peter Charlton, a mobile phone used by Garda Commissioner at the time of the alleged smear has gone missing. Uh, And also on the front page, James Riley, a protégé of Nora's. Uh, (laughs) Bronco only out for himself. Uh, That's not possible for a politician, is it? And the Irish Mail on Sunday. Uh, Promotion battle of the Anglo Shredder. This is Mr Kevin O'Connell, who was the central figure in the Dublin Circus Criminal Court last week, the uh, ODCE lead investigator Shoney Fitzlister sued State over Attorney General's job snub that was back in the year uh, 2000. So let's, let's start with the state of play in in, in Fine Gael. In La- Balna last night, not only were there 600 souls there, Finon was there. Let's hear some of the exchanges between Leo and Simon.
3: First of all, you know, sometimes Leo paints himself as the person who puts together the perfect campaign, I mean, the, and seems to blame everybody else for the last general election campaign. The truth is we all made mistakes in the last general election campaign. Uh, I was the person with responsibility for putting the policy uh, document together. Leo was the person with responsibility for communications. We got it wrong. And we need to be a party that's actually sort of humble enough to be able to recognise where we've made mistakes and learn from them and correct
1: them. I think it's worth pointing out, as was the case for both of us. Uh, the Communications Committee, which I headed up, was stepped down in November uh, before the election in February, as was Simon's Committee on Policy. So I think perhaps if the two of us had had more of a role in that election, we might have actually helped to deliver, deliver a better result. And I hope whatever happens, the two of us will work together uh, on campaigns in future elections and deliver a better result. <laughs> And, and certainly, you know, having delivered um, in my part of the country, um, you know, a good result uh, in, in Dublin and the East Coast, uh, you know, in a very difficult election, certainly any advice that we can give Cork or other parts of the country uh, where there wasn't that successful result, I'd be happy to say that.
3: It's good to see... It's good, it's, it's, it's good to see... It's good to see that the party does well in Dublin when there's a leader from outside of Dublin. (laughs) um, A bit of of practical rural grit goes
1: a long way in politics um, in Dublin, too. And and, and I can guarantee you that if there's a leader from Dublin, we'll win in Corkshire Central. That's because... I'll help we, you top the poll side.
3: That's, <laughs> that's because we've got a great candidate in Jerry Butler.
2: Yeah, a little bit of ping pong there, Finon. What did you make of it?
4: I think Finney had missed the trick here in in terms of of keeping these to such a, a secluded audience. I don't think a, a televised debate uh, on the, on between the two party leadership contenders would have done them any harm at, at all. We're living in a very sanitised political environment uh, at the moment. And when you compare what's happening in Fine Gael to to the other parties, Sinn Féin appoints their leaders by what I would euphemistically describe as the Army Council. Uh, the Labour Party blocks people from running for the, the party leadership. And in Fianna Fáil, Michail Martin tells his his uh, front bench, uh, don't be leaking any disagreements at, at, on the front bench of, the, of the, the party ranks. So that's the political environment we're at. What we're having here is is, is two people engaging in, in mature debate on, on, on issues. There's a bit of banter over and back between them, nothing all that, terribly personal uh, no massive ideological uh, differences between the pair if anything the, the, the two of them have shown that I, I think political debate has probably been held back in this country by 15 years by Enda Kenny's inability to engage uh, on actual issues so it's, it's refreshing uh, to, to see that uh, so I, I think Fine Gael you know, they, they, they need to realise they're onto, they're onto a good thing here uh, and it's a good advertisement uh, for the party in that regard Give us your assessment of who impressed you the most I think if I'm if I was I was sitting in the audience as a party activist who, who's you know whose who's life, life and yeah. soul is, is Gael, then there is only one choice, and that is Leo Vradkar. Uh, I think he is he's very focused on exactly who the audience he was pitching to was. Uh, he was he was quite clear in terms of this is uh, party engaged party members
2: si- sitting before him, uh, and that's what what his. his Sorry, pitch, do you say pitch that pitch from was, the perspective there. that his face is better on the poster, that he'll bring a bounce, or why do you say no, that? No, I,
4: I, I say that bec- because he's tailoring his message specifically to what they want to hear around issues such as uh, party organisation, uh, campaign strategy, uh, just just general generally how the party will, will function and. and engage uh, in, in electoral electoral battles there was a, a question last like really badly exposed Simon Cove in this regard how are you going to win back seats in, pla- in places we don't have them so Simon had the generic waffle about oh well we need to gauge a plan blah 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 and then Leo came in and he had a very clear focus in terms of exactly what he would do in each of, of these of these Which counties what? and con- and constituencies <laughs> well it, it was in in terms of uh, putting a focus in, in terms of boots on the ground in, in terms of, of investment from from party headquarters organizations having a a specific uh, battle plan and uh, also identifying candidates uh, on an individual level and then also he brought in the and on a national level we need to rise the party support in general in order to benefit uh, locally so that's where Leo's at he's he's very clear in terms of his message to the councillors the the party organisation and as we have seen in terms of the, the parliamentary party if you're sitting in the audience as a general member of the public who is voting in the next election actually Simon Coveney is pipping Leo Varadkar. And the notion that Leo Varadkar is this superb debater is kind of being debunked by, by the last few nights. Simon Coveney quite clearly won on the first night. He possibly narrow-edged it second night and last night. It was probably much of a much as you'd expect he'd win in Cork. So out of the four debates, actually, Coveney is, is coming across better in terms of that, that pitch uh, to, the, to, the, to the wider uh, electorate. Uh, nonetheless, you have to add the caveat that you know we are where we are in terms of this debate. Simon needs to come out of the traps quite a lot. He needs to be aggressive. He needs to go after Leo that bit more, and Leo probably needs to be that bit more reserved. He doesn't need to make any any risks. He's he acting need as a leader in waiting rather than a candidate. Yeah, perhaps. and, and uh, whereas Simon has nothing to lose uh, at this stage, and you kind of say. A week on from the debacle that he was involved in uh, seven eight days ago, where he was considering pulling out, actually Simon Coveney's standing, I think, within the party and probably amongst the, the electorate as a whole, has has certainly risen uh, over over the past week. Nora, uh, yeah,
0: I your protege, okay,
2: I your protege uh, uh, James uh, Riley from Malahide, like yourself, says today I, no, that he's Leo, not
0: from Malahide; it he's from was,
2: Rush. If, well, sure, so that's all.
5: Man. Once you go north side, Man. you lose me anyway. Oh, my God, well, yeah. side yeah, I, I, snob, No, I absolutely, you know? I don't have <laughs> yes, a visa I, for the north side. Yes, I
2: <laughs> but the point I'm making is yeah. this. Well, They're James saying that came that you, in and won a seat when we'd lost. And perhaps some might argue James has been the worst minister of health ever. But the point about it is this. There's that, a few of them that, in that, that race, yeah. that, 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 you you were on T V three last Sunday and and you seem to be supporting yes. Coveney.
0: Yes, I was. I was worried last weekend and, and Fionnan has made reference to it, that um the the way in which the Electron College was decided in two thousand and two and Leo very several times last uh, last week in, in the Red Cow mentioned that it was his motion at the Ardesh that got the new voting system in. College. It, was, it was specifically weighted in the way that it would be 25% for members 10% for councillors and that the last group that would vote would be the TDs and Senators And the idea behind that, my understanding of it was that, you know, that the people members would have their say and the others would keep Stum until closer, other than maybe the seven that had to sign the nomination papers. But of course... Be realistic, that's not what happened. So once people began to declare for candidates, and I was worried that the whole system was going to be unseated and there looked as if there was a push, not just by by Leo's team, but also with the help of a lot of the media that he was going to be crowned and that there would be an inexorable withdrawal, that the other candidates would have no choice. If there had been four candidates, the whole thing would have gone differently. Can I put
2: one thing to you? And I I, I certainly
0: think that both of them are suitable men to be Taoiseach, but I have put my, my, my back in mind Simon.
2: Can I can I ask you this yeah. about Simon Coveney? I was actually Director of Elections in Cork in the North Side when he was elected in 1994. Yeah. And I, I observed him as Minister for Agriculture for five years and so on. And there are people who have outstanding left-wing credentials their whole life. Mm. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn, Bernie Saunders. I never noticed Simon Coveney being, you know, St. Simon of Assisi, uh, bring the poor to come onto to me until the last week or so, when it's easy to paint Leo as a right-winger. Like, where did this come from? I've well, never heard him espouse <laughs> his social compassion before. I know,
0: uh, nor, nor did I ever hear you doing it. I, or, no. Or uh, most of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm know. still not doing <laughs> yes, it. <laughs> yeah. Um I mean, I would imagine his role, his time in housing has really opened up a lot of Is it not for, just opportunities? For Simon. Look at, they're both, look if you're standing for a leader, you're going to use opportunism at every hand's turn. And I'll remind Fiona that some of Leo's policies about getting seats into places we haven't got seats, I've been through that before. I remember the amount of money, and you'll remember it, that was spent on Brian Hayes. He won't mind me saying this, as a young candidate, moved from his home base of Clontarf out to um, South West, which had been a very poor... So we'd lost a seat, and then mm-hmm. we'd lost Michael Michael um, keyshing and now we had an empty space, and Brian was moved out as a very young man House was put up for him, and there was a lot What's of help the point? given. The point is that the party hasn 't been slow at times to pick up where there 's no seats and do it, and we just have to keep doing that in this in this election. Both of these men have something to offer both the party and the public and i 'm pleased that Simon has managed to stay the course and, and and improved and let people know him a bit better. I'm not naive. With 45 members of the parliamentary party behind Leo, it's hard to see how Simon can knock that. But let's wait and see what the actual percentage okay. breakdown of the membership. And it will be tough if Leo wins the the election and he doesn't get a very high percentage of the members' votes. That is a kind of a, a okay. tricky area. Well, let me come
2: to Noel because Noel and I had a discussion last Friday week in this studio about this. Now, I was speaking to Stuart Kenny yesterday, who is the founder of Paddy Power. If you think Simon is going to win right now, you can back him at seven to one. He's never been a bearer. If you want to back Leo, you've got to put eighteen euros to get one euro profit. The fact of the matter is, we have declarations now from councillors of of the two, three, two. hundred and eleven have publicly stated uh, for for Leo sixty odd, nearly two to one, the same as the parliamentary party. And Leo's team say they've a lot more to roll out in that. This is over. Why are the media pretend? Like, I met people at the curry yesterday and they have even who's going to win? Who's going to win? And I said, there, there is no contest but here. They're it's over. But are not getting
0: the details you're
3: getting. The, 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 <laughs> this race has not changed in the last week. This race has not changed in the last week. Looking at from it, without, <clears throat> and you can therefore maybe say, don't understand the subtly as I but maybe have the detachment to see. This race was won by Leo Veranker many months ago and that was reflected in the run-out of parliamentary party members in the first 48 hours. There is no reason to believe, you, you have to start with the presumption that there's no reason to believe that c- councillors or members break down different than their TDs and senators.
2: Except with so Munster.
3: Mm-hmm. I'd say, but I'll come back to the, Well, hmm. he, he, he got a bit of a bounce in the parliamentary party from Munster anyway. Yeah. So let's start with that. But you have to, you, there's no reason to assume that councillors, who are very much integrated with their TDs and raised constituencies, uh, and uh, party members differ very much from where their are TDs. So if the Parliamentary Party is breaking down, and let's remember, it's not breaking down two to one, it's breaking down significantly more than two to one in the Parliamentary Party. There's every reason to believe it'll break down two to one among the councillors and two to one among the members. The only shift in that is that there's a geographical bias outside of Dublin among the councillors, because there's only four councillors in Dublin, and among the members, because all parties have less members in Dublin than they do down the country. But even when you begin to look at the council declarations, um, uh, that have gone public you see that they're breaking again 2-1 to one in uh, mm-hmm. uh, Leo Radcliffe's favour so that that's the first thing to say the first thing to say is that this, very, this, this race in my view hasn't changed much since it started and hasn't changed much in the last week but what the last week has done and I, I think like last Saturday Leo Radcliffe's launch in Wood Key some of his people were nervous that Simon Coveney was going to pull out because they were the ones who were going to get the backlash from uh, the party I, I membership. I that too. Yes, yeah, so. uh, if that had happened, and from the party council, because the party members and quite quite understandably wanted to have, want to have their okay. say. So effectively, what happened is a contest has become a conversation, and the person who has been better in that conversation and policy debate the last week has, I think, been Simon Coven. I watched all of Torchist and the Red Cow, and I watched a bit of last night's. So you know, uh, four nights in a row um, is an awful lot it's too much even to, to ask. Even, fun even fun for fun, a nerd, yeah, yes. even for a nerd like <laughs> me, <laughs> to watch. So I do, you know, I do have uh, <laughs> okay. family and all night so 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 yeah. yeah. and, and there is no doubt, and it's part because he's liberated by the fact that he do, he can be less careful than Leo has to be. It's part because he he, he, he is on top of all of uh, the areas, and he's a generalist um, in policy terms. But I mean, it, to anybody who's watched Simon Covey, uh, quick Closely, that's no surprise. I mean, he was highly competent on the policy areas in agriculture. That doesn't get the profile because agriculture, by its very nature, is a niche. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in the farming independent, it's very, it's very unlikely, very seldom, it makes uh, the mainstream political media. And and that kind of, uh, but he's got the chance to shine a bit more on that on issues as dramatic um, as the homeless. But it hasn't
2: altered the reality.
3: But, but but no, in my view, but it I hasn't altered the reality. With no
0: on on an issue there. I mean, uh, it, you know, when 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 there was a push against Enda Kenny. You were all writing that Enda Kenny was a goner, he was gone, and that, yes, uh, Richard in 2010. Bruton, uh, Richard Bruton was going to get it. I remember when the push came against John Bruton when I was a deputy leader, and it looked as if John was going to, you know, bite the bullet. But as there's well. a difference
2: between a heave yeah. and a contest. Now, I
0: realise yeah. that, but it's, you shouldn 't automatically assume that um everything stays the same now, I know okay. you 'll say any of the forty five who signed the polling paper for 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 uh, for Leo. Leo are unlikely to change. I watched at the the red so cow the other night and I wondered about three or four of okay, them whether they looked as if they had eaten okay, we'll we'll imagine, the imagine
3: if this time next week, yeah. twelve fini. Members yes, from have voted different than they yes. declared. Okay. And that caused havoc in
2: Finnegan. Well, I, I heard there'd be some observation <laughs> of people voting, so that won't be too much. Let's <laughs> Why, go. Let's you been given a
0: job? Either. No, no, no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Regina Doherty, the government chief whip in Finneg Ltd. and Mid East and Leo Loyalist uh, joins us on the line. Uh, R- Regina, do you have a, a forecast for us of how do you think the councillors will break down? There's two, three, two of them. We we have fair visibility on the parliamentary party. What's your assessment of the of the councillors?
5: I think you probably just described it. sorry, good morning. Um, I think you probably described it the way we would expect it to go, as in two to one. We've 111 declared for Leo versus 60 declared for Simon so far. Um, and you'll probably see the rest of those people either coming out between now and the end of the week or voting along the same lines as their TDs and senators are. Um, but it's not... You know what... Like, there's an impression here that this was kind of a stitch up for it, you know a, a, a job arranged as if it happened you know nearly by accident. The reason we're we're voting for Leo in our numbers is because we're impressed that he's so prepared. We're impressed that he is so detailed about his policy, his future plans for the party, and that impression didn't just arrive you know within the last week. We've been impressed for many months and for years at his attitude, at his you know vigor for, for public life, at his. Um, attention to detail, that impression has been built up by people who've worked beside him over the last number of years, for people who've been impressed by him watching him from afar. Um, And actually, I don't... I know this week's uh, hostings is a huge benefit for Fine Gael because I think people, not just our own members, but obviously the wider public, can see how, you know, much talent that we have in the party, to see how people are able All to right. stand up. You know, like, it's, it's a very good exercise okay. in democracy well, well, in well, Gael just, Gael just Okay,
2: well, let's let's go with that party political broadcast. <laughs> Today's poll in the Sunday Business <laughs> Post shows Fianna Fáil down 7 to 21 and Fine Gael 29. I wrote in yesterday's Irish Independent that the biggest career decision Leo, as T we mm. will have to make is to go for an early election. What Gordon Brown didn't do, what Theresa May has done. Now, I understand the party line. You can't breach the confidence and supply arrangement. You can't be seen to do anything to undermine it. Is not the reality that if, you, if, if, he, if he makes Fine Gael into a campaigning party that he can't breathe new life into this dead doll, he's going to get sick of Shane Ross sooner or later, isn't, isn't the reality of an early election in the autumn becoming, on both sides, Fianna Fáil pulling the rug and not giving a honeymoon and Leo Bolting, the best thing for Finnegale?
5: Yeah, but it's not just about the best thing for Fine Gael, um, Ivan, because at the moment we're facing into negotiations. <laughs> that are going to, and it's not a party line. And actually, I believe the Fianna Fáil feel the same way. We're heading into negotiations that could have, you know, a dramatic effect on the future economic prospects of Ireland. So Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil and whatever ambitions that we can have for our parties has to take second place to that. And actually, to be honest with you, I'm not sure if Fianna Fáil will be rushing to the polls on the basis of 21% that they got in the poll yesterday. But we get the line of that it's only one poll, it's only a snapshot. And to be fair, the whole country's been talking about Fine Gael for the last week, so obviously our fortunes were going to rise in a poll that's taken in that week. The most important thing for any leader, and obviously I hope and expect it will be Leo Varadkar, will be to look after the fortunes of the Irish economy and the social recovery that we have to deliver. Okay, finally, give us a prediction.
2: uh, 65-35, something like that? Final, this day next week?
5: 60-40,
2: 60-40 Regina Doherty, uh, we hope you get into the Cabinet with all your loyalty. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. (laughs) Uh, Finn, you wanted to come in there. I wanted to ask you about the, the reality of an autumn election. What's your take on that? Um,
4: just two points for the great revealing line from Leo last night. For six years, every time i visited a county, I've made time to meet with the local councillors in Fine Gael. That That's why he has so many with so many wine and, and wine and dining. Too. Yeah, and and so, pizza and beer. So I think he's, he's been in Wexford. He bought them has been <laughs> this for quite Well,
2: some of time. course who <laughs> <it> wouldn't in <laughs> <and laughs> <laughs> The membership is, is, is,
4: is a different matter. I don't think it really matters. I mean, does it really matter if he gets more of the members' votes? So on. Uh, at the bottom line is, i observing the two of them over the last week. Does. There's not massive ideological differences between them. This is not Bernie Sanders versus mm. Hillary yeah, Clinton here. That's true. Or a Jeremy Corbyn figure coming in who's going to shake things up. They're very much the same in terms of taxation, public services, investment in infrastructure, uh, Europe. There's no a general election. Th- I think he has Timing. to be cautious in terms of... Leo, and he, you're seeing this at the moment, has to show that he has the temperament for office. And to just be... Characterized as throwing all the, the, the toys out of the pram uh, and, and r- rushing to the people because he's not capable of managing Shane Ross's ego. That won't necessarily be Do you not think you well need a mandate? But if, if you look at the last week, how a narrative has built up already that Leo Varadkar is. Uh, is quite right wing. Now, this has come as a shock to some people who thought he was some sort of cuddly liberal uh, all, all along. But people are now piecing together uh, issues such as his his stance on only representing people who get up early in in, in the morning, uh, the, the the trade union stance, the his his stance on abortion. They're saying Leo is very right wing. That kind of narrative can build up over over time, and it's actually Oonagh is addressing this on Sunday Independent Day. It's hard to see what votes he's going after there. Presumably, well, he's swinging right. half million private sector. Yeah, no, no, he's, he's he's swinging right to swing back into the middle, uh, yeah. in 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 effect, uh, because the, the middle ground voters are, are are where the game is at. I, t- I think. I, yeah,
3: yeah I think you're going to see uh, if and when Leo Radcliffe becomes Taoiseach that he will veer back left. He will do counterintuitive things. He will do things that will surprise people. The most significant poll we've had since the last general election is the Red Sea one in today's. Uh, business post and Richard Colwell is explaining it well in his analysis piece in the same paper Fina fall down 7% Fine Gael up 5%
2: Could it be an outlier?
3: Well it, 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 it's explained by one of three we, we, we'll know in a month's time whether it's an mm-hmm. outlier but it's explained by one of three things the electorate are so thrilled that Enda Kenny has announced he's going to 5% of them are likely to vote for Fine Gael, Fine Gael won't accept The best that thing that Enda ever reason. did for the party's leaving <laughs> Simply by <laughs> focusing on Fine Gael, and it has largely and, and, this, and this, most of this polling was finished before the costings, mm-hmm. so by focusing on Finnegan of itself, that raised its profile. Or thirdly, most of the people tuned in up up until last Saturday, Sunday, when it looked all over, decided Leah was going to be their next t and that makes Finnegan more attractive. So a yeah. th- 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 lot of that will wait and see, but we we have experience; we know very well that the office of Taoiseach tests a lot of people Brian right? yeah. Cowan didn't turn out to be the Taoiseach people expected to be no, Michael Noonan wasn't yeah. the leader Nora, was on, was on, election, on a general election
2: on a general election, election. Uh, I put it to you yeah. Yeah. that if Enda had gone for a November election he mightn't have lost 27 seats but anyway the national well, mood if changed you, if
0: you think back I hate to go back so far to 97 if we if we hadn't gone for the election in June of 97 we probably would have uh, Finnegal and you and I would have you, probably continue on when do you think on. the next election will be I, I have my money, actually, after the budget. You know, into... In this early, autumn? Yeah, no, no, no. in Into the early months. of new 12 months. Because um, I think that that Fionn is right, that if Leo is our Taoiseach, he has to show he has the kind of temperament and capacity to work with people that he clearly, if he was asked, you want to go and have a glass of wine with somebody, he wouldn't go with them. Do you know, he has... He has a tendency to kind of move away when he's not kind of happy with what, what people are saying and doing. And that's something he's working on. I mean, I've watched Leo. I represented Castleknock when Leo was a 17 year old in a branch and he was a, appallingly right wing and, and very aggressive. And I remember coming away from a meeting and saying, my God, who's this young fellow? But he was already showing um, gumption and power standing as a T-shirt candidate and you and I, Ivan, never got a chance to do that, although I thought you would. There, there was There's such an exposure of yourself. Everything you do, how you walk, who you pass by. If if Leo walks into this studio tomorrow and passes Fionn by mistake, Fionn will feel annoyed mm. or I'll feel annoyed. So all, both of them have to be admired for kind of allowing themselves to be examined. My money is on an election next April or May. I think he'll okay. try to get one but budget remember through. The
3: main, watch the main alley. Energy. Be careful with her, because M- M- Theresa May waited 10, 11 months before she called her an
2: election. And said she never would, though. And all the time and between
3: then said she never <laughs> would. All right, we're talking to Nora
2: Owen, Finn and Noel Whelan. Now, people may not know, but Noel's day job is not actually to pontificate about politics. He is a barrister in the circuit court uh, on behalf of the state taking uh, a lot of prosecution cases. So who better to give us some insight into what was this spectacular collapse this week and the acquittal of Sean Fitzpatrick uh, in relation to what has been the longest and most high-profile white-collar crime case in the state. Uh, The basic point I want to put to you, first of all, is this, that there isn't actually much debate on the substance of the issue, the 87 million of loans the chairman took off the bank and bed and breakfasted each year coming up to the annual accounts to keep them off the balance sheet. It's not that he didn't do it. It's that they messed up and botched the case. When you get a book of evidence and you stand up in front of a judge to to prosecute a case, how does this kind of thing happen? Surely someone in the DPP should have spotted it.
3: Well, the first thing is that um, when you get the book of... I mean, when you sign it in court, you have to establish beyond reasonable doubt that a crime was committed. Secondly, you have to establish beyond reasonable doubt that the person accused committed. And thirdly, frankly, you only get one chance. You, By the time you stand up, you have to prove your case and disprove any alternative suggestion that might imply a doubt in uh, the moment that you do it. Um, I work for a variety of clients. but yes, a lot of my work is in the prosecution area. And I have to say, um, when the rumours, as it were, seeped out of the closed court, Um, at the first hearing many years ago in the suggestion was that um, effectively the statements had been prepared in a manner akin to the way affidavits are prepared in commercial or civil litigation. Then that that instinctively actually horrified me. And I think the failings here, some of the failings are visited upon the named individual who was the head of the investigation. Kevin O'Connell. Yeah. Now, at the same time, you have to say, Christ, what he was left to do and the pressure he was put under and the circumstances in which uh, he came to lead the investigation, um, that there were dramatic feelings in that. And I, I actually think that uh, although we talk about a whole range of new and different agencies, uh, you can have a whole range of new and different agencies, but when it comes to prosecuting substantial indictable crime, it needs to be done by highly experienced senior investigators. And the bottom line is the most, m- most of them... Nearly all of them are members of Angarishikana, mm, okay. and for all of the failings in Angarishikana, right. there is a terrific collection of cohort of senior investigators who are used to running investigations. On this scale. Now, I, I, and it's, be, it's because at one stage they might be running a murder trial. At another stage in their career they might be running a corruption trial. At another stage in their career they might be running a, okay. a business trial. Well, here's my So question. Well, you need to put resource if, with that. Okay. The concept of running a senior okay. criminal trial. So when the case drive.
2: came before uh, Mary Ellen Ring and, and this came to light in yes. closed court, as you say, and if you, uh, you're not the first to say having experience with this kind of thing, you were astonished. Why didn't it strike someone in the DPP's office? You know, there's I, a, this big Achilles key, heel in our case. I, why are we doing well,
3: it? Well, firstly, it was obvious. Uh, and therefore, a decision, presumably a decision, that trial collapsed. It's worth remembering. Mm. Not, ne, not necessarily because a view was taken that those things that were done were then wrong, but because actually the witness wasn't physically av- available because he, he, he'd been hospitalised. So he wasn't physically available to come back in the box and give But should, should someone in the it.
2: DPP's office not said, we've a problem here? Uh,
3: and they did, I Would presume. They? and I have no involvement they with it. They did, I, have, I, I presume, and they gave it careful consideration and presumably with additional legal advice. And maybe they took a view, and this is the interesting about the coverage that's come out now, we've heard very little about what the, what the, 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 the argument the defence made persuaded uh, Judge Elmer that the case couldn't proceed. We have heard very little of what our counter-argument, the EPP. Could they have appealed? It? Could they have appealed? Well, the no, they couldn't. They couldn't. They could. They went to rerun the case, and I'm wondering whether they went to rerun the case because they came to the conclusion that the facts, as you started them, uh, appeared indisputable. That the money had been warehoused. At the end of the annual return phase, the loans had been warehoused, uh, and that of itself implied a criminal offence. But there is a really ter- important third element here, which is it's not at all clear. That's the point. It's not at all clear that whether the Sean Fitzpatrick, even if you'd established that he had done that in a proper investigation, ha- I was actually committing a criminal offence the when law, those at loans. The law was unclear.
0: You know, the auditors were meant to see what loans were had throughout the year or at the end of the year. So, yeah. whatever way it was written could leave the doubt that what he did at the end of the year was perfectly alright to do, that he that they weren't looking at what loans and, he had and, through and, the year. And Colin McKean had a point in the Times yesterday right, that the yeah.
3: form he was given to complete... complete was the wrong what, form. The, now, but here, make me, make, let me make a really important thing that comes out of this investigation and it is. I've long argued that witnesses big, just because they're senior civil servants or big in the HSC or big in a corporate company or can call on uh, uh, top fight solicitors. Yeah. All witnesses should be treated the same. Yeah. I've literally actually sent solicitors who appeared for witnesses out of out of consultation in the courtroom. to Say this mm. is a matter for the Garda shikana. They're investigating yeah. two Garda down the witness. In 2012,
0: Peter Kelly remarked at the small number of Garda that were associated with the ODC, and more or less said this: "This is not enough for this between the five o- and 11 Yes, and the other thing that is behind all this is that EY or Ernst Young as they were called are themselves facing a civil case for the way they carried out their audits and when when the judge says that two of the, the EY witnesses were coached as it were, they were being treated as if it was a civil case where you can change your statements and write them down and have three or four and get rid of those and put other ones in and it was treated as if it was part of the civil side of their case and it was kind of sending a kind of miasma over the whole thing, and that mm-hmm. meant the the poor old Kevin O'Connell who seems to be taking the big blame. The truth of it is that this goes right back to during Paul Appleby's time, Nora, and he poor has, old Paul O'Connell he shredded he documents. Ke- Kevin O'Connell, we did Kevin, absolutely, but there were some mistakes made way I'm back. Not, I'm in not the with beginning. the poor Paul. No, no poor well, I'm Kevin not saying will. poor Kevin O'Connell. It's just right. that he is taking he is taking that the lion's share. But you have to go right back to the beginning of this case. This is 2017. This started in 2010, isn't it? Yeah. 2010. Twenty eleven, mm-hmm. uh, and then Paul Appleby announced of oh, a Monday. I'm going on a Friday, and he was begged to be to stay there, and he stayed. And then the new man was eventually Francis appointed. Fitzgerald, the
2: President minister for justice. She's really said, t- said today the yeah. ODCE is not fit for purpose. Would you agree yeah. with that? Well, like, or what be, do you do instead? If it's is taking rid evidence, of, I mean,
0: we must have an agency that looks at white collar crime and fraud and and, and that so kind of. A crime. New
2: one or a different one? Or I what? think
0: I think this has shown up the flaws in it. I mean, I was a great supporter. I thought the OD when mm-hmm. it was established by Mary I think it was Mary Harney was a very good idea because at last we might be getting to the white collar crimes but I, think, uh, but, but I but think they allowed the kind of quality of the staff and all that sort of thing Neve Brennan There's only one account solicitor or Yeah something. a very strong mm-hmm. article by Neve Brennan during the week saying but that But fit for what purpose is the question yes, Fit for the for purpose what, of
3: imp- improving compliance with registration And the good for And, disqualifying disqualifying and, the directors and all yeah. of that That's fine uh, but, f- but fit for purpose for the conduct of substantial the most substantial criminal put? It, it, it I, yeah.
2: I, let's stand back because there's particular expertise there the bottom line here is that the gross cost of bailing out nationalising Anglo was 64 billion and by the time we sold all the assets it's about 30 billion. Surely the public will groan in frustration at the lack of accountability. Now there were two people convicted uh, McAteer and Whelan w- what do you think is the general reaction of the public?
4: Well I, I think your point there is exactly why the dpp and odce took the uh, adopted the tactic that they did of pressed of not pulling the plug mm. themselves again look this isn't going anywhere they wanted the, the judge or the jury. A show trial. Like, yeah, in, in effect, because otherwise the responsibility would have been on them uh, to to withdraw. It. What has surprised me over the past week, because you, you're, you are now getting, it was a very strange reaction from people I was talking to on, on, on Wednesday and Thursday. They were appalled and shocked and horrified by Manchester on the one part of their brain. Mm. And on the other side of their brain, they were really angry about the outcome in the, in the Sean Fitzpatrick. Patrick case. Uh, So there is that that latent anger there that that this has come to this. And yet at the same time, uh, those in government seem to be completely surprised and shocked that, that this outcome came about even though we've known for the last two years everybody has mm. known for the last two years that th- th- this was only going in one direction any of my the discussions The jury
0: only sat for 40 days yeah. of the holiday Yeah,
4: 2015 any of my discussions I've had myself with my legal affairs editor Shane Field mm. is when is this going to collapse yeah. that that was the only discussions yeah. that, that we and were And we no one in government really is Yeah, you know. But uh, we now have very basically Mary Mitchell O'Connor doing what Derval McDonald says is akin to um, Donald Trump being appointed to investigate his liaison with the with the Russians, asking themselves to present a, a response to this and what are they going to do in, in response to it. So utterly inadequate response from the government, and you are kind of looking at it going, why were you not ready as soon as the trial collapsed, Mary Mitchell O'Connor? or the Taoiseach, or the Minister of Justice coming out saying, this is now what we are going to do uh, with this area. They've what do you think should be vacuum. done? What do you think should be done? I, th- I think it's quite obvious, judging by Michael Noonan's comments first, then the Kenny's comments, and now Francis Fitzgerald's comments, that the ODC is going to be dismantled and in the and paper it has to
2: date that Mr. Drennan's contract is up in September so ah, that yes, gre- yeah. may create an opportunity. But, but
0: you don't disagree that there needs to be some way in which white collar cases it and white uh, it'd it'd be, fraud crime. in the Guardian. It
4: might be back, back into into a new Criminal maybe, maybe it fits in with the new structures within, on, on Garda mm-hmm. and, the, and the reforms there. Maybe the, the Department of Justice uh, takes it back in on, yeah. under yeah. their But if you look at the
0: statistics from the ODCE they have... Struck off many people as directors. They have improved the registration of companies. They have, you know, got rid of others. So at, at a certain level, they were doing the day to day bread and butter yeah. kind of work. But the criminal stuff it's, is this different. Thing, I, this I, thing I, I, just became too big for them. Yeah. Yeah.
3: criminal investigations and yeah. taking any investigation to a stage where it's a criminal case in court is, a, in my view, a whole different ball. ballgame. Yeah. Okay, well, and, uh, and it well, takes well, experienced people to do it. Well, go no. the
2: next step of the road. Uh, we have an issue in relation to white-collar crime that doesn't seem to have a high conviction rate, let alone a high right. prosecution. W- where do you think that should rest? You've obviously said it's the Gardaí should be doing it. Are you saying a new unit? The- like, here we have a million breath tests, yeah. so I mean, like in other problems. Yes,
3: yeah. but, I mean, you know, everybody points for example to the fact that the Americans do this very well. But what the Americans do is they go kick in the door, grab every yeah. record, pick the guy in the middle of the chain, cut a deal with him, give him immunity for what he did, which it would be very controversial uh, in mm-hmm. our system, and then turn he- him into a um, whistleblower, effectively, or, or, or a yeah. protected witness, as it were, um, during, during that. And then they cut deals with uh, the second rank of people for reduced sentencing in order to get the top rank of people. And that's that very controversial way uh, to conduct law. I, I do think, at the same time, I think we'd be careful. There's no need to be intimidated by white collar crime investigation or by foot. I usually find once you give the jury a calm narrative of what happened, then it's literally just about whether there was wrong done, done or not wrong done. And here I think is it, another concern. You made the point, Ivan, that this has cost us as a country and a people Ness. 30 billion. Yes,
2: 30, 30, billion, billion.
3: 30 mm. billion. Now, the understandable presumption, therefore, is that somebody must... Everyone, an awful lot of wrong hey. was done, but that somebody must have done some criminal wrong. And the problem with that, and, and that some of the most high-profile people must have done criminal wrong, and all investigators would tell you the one thing you have to be careful going into any investigation is presumptions mm. that somebody committed a crime or that that person. But no, prepared. doesn't it so also then you're highlight? For it also highlight the question. fact
0: now? And maybe it's better now with the new committees legislation comes into the doll sometimes with very good reason, and it isn't the detail of it, and it, and it isn't have, it, it have, isn't I re-examined. I have run, I have I have run trials okay. where for the first it
3: time m- and you're and actually looking at
2: what a set of words mean But if you stand back if you stand, and I want to put this to you, Phil. Yeah. If you stand back from this and and you look at, I've spoken about the million breath tests, you, we, we just can't convict people in white collar crime. We have the books being cooked at the Garda College. We have the charities, uh, you know, being riddled with stories of, of people on the take. Our third level colleges this this week, some horrific stories coming from us. Are we a nation of crooked chancers? Is, do we have to face the reality that we're worse than the Italians? Don't
4: we? I, I th- think what this what strikes me is that people will look back at the last 10 years and say you know what we did the culture of this country didn't change if you've translated any of this stuff back to to, to, the, to the early 1980s people will go oh that that was the way things worked uh, back then and yet is this is all happening in in the current climate and i i do kind of break that down to a failure at a government level to bring about substantial cultural change in the manner in which there was that great opportunity in the wake of the the economic crash to actually just turn around and go we are no longer going to operate as a country in the manner in which we did in the past. All bets are off. This is the way we're going to do it from now on. And now people are going to look at it and go, well, there's still one law for the rich, one law for the poor. Uh, But but, I
0: mean, in some ways, I think that you can't absolutely say that. I mean, this judge It's in our DNA to be chances. But at the same time, this judge has protected the system to agree. We mightn't like the result of it, but he has said, we have a fair court system, we have a fair judicial system, and people can't be prosecuted on the basis of very badly handled along the way. And that will affect you, me, and, and the small guy, and anybody else who might be important in a big company. And that was also has been missed because there's such anger. My taxi man coming in today said, he said, I'm just bloody angry about it. But I mean, that's the way it is. Sean Fitzpatrick has All walked right. free now. But let's let's watch the EY civil action now because that definitely had an effect on this. Because
2: uh, the I'll, EY the, people I'll leave the last word careful. on this conversation with our texter 53106. D in Dublin. Inexplicable incompetence or... Predictable derogation of duty. I know what my conclusion is. My panel this morning, uh, Finan Sheehan, uh, Nora Owen and Noel Whelan. Uh, Obviously, uh, people were numbed with shock of the news. 10.30 Monday night, 22 people killed. Uh, Others maimed uh, the madness of another suicide bomber. Um, lots of coverage uh, in the Sunday papers about it. A particular thing caught my eye in the Owen Harris's column. A, a cartoon by Jim Cogan uh, showing a, a, an ISIL a suicide bomber and an IRA uh, balaclavet guy pointing the direction of Birmingham 74, Manchester 1992 and the various uh, analogies between terrorism then and now. Nora Owen. Um, right. A, 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 can I put it to you that, you know, it looks like now a dozen people have been arrested and a network yes. cell linked to Libya is is evident. Was this a failure of intelligence?
0: It's hard to see why within hours of the appalling tragedy in, in, in Manchester, for tragedy for the people who lost their lives and for their families, that the police were able to immediately identify who they were after. And I kind of wondered, well, if they were so sure of it, why wasn't he under more scrutiny? Um, but at any one time, Ivan, there must be thousands of people who are at a certain level of scrutiny by the police forces in all our countries now. Maybe not thousands in Ireland, but certainly hundreds who would be watched. So so you could say... Do you think a we're a soft target? There's a, there's a former Al-Qaeda people in one, I think, in one of spaces I spaces. We're c- actually a fertile territory for such attack. We can't be complacent. And with the with the growth of um, the migration and the fact that we've promised to take 4,000 people, some of them coming from, from Greece and Turkey, some coming from Italy and then new applicants for asylum. Uh, you can't be complacent. I mean, these people, these terrorists plan well ahead. And uh, but, I've heard but stories, stories of Are them, there jihadis in Dublin that we need to well, they, divorce? there have been a few people arrested and accused of uh, either fundraising or, or getting information for the jihadis. I don't think we've had any major wor- concerns. But I would say that um these people are watching countries like Ireland. You know the effect of how it would have, uh, particularly with Brexit coming in, and and we'd be a separate country. People from other parts of the world would be coming in here. So, but I in this instance. What really shocked me when I heard very quickly after the bomb was that the police knew who it was. And I sort of, that worried me. It and really a, Some did. imam in one of the mosques yeah, a, r- r- had already reported. this issue three yes. or four times. This, this young man had apparently at, at various meetings in, in the mosque had, had, had stood up and had big arguments and people had actually rung the police in worries. But it shows you how difficult it is to actually watch every step of the way. I, I mean, it's just... I can't even begin to think of the minds of the people and the worry and the fear that police forces all around the world is that these people don't mind killing themselves. It's different from our experience with the IRA. They didn't set out to kill themselves. They set out to kill other people. But in this instance now, you have martyrs in their words that want to kill themselves. No, what's your taking at all? Well,
3: Yeah, I mean, that uh, willingness of uh, these terrorists pay their own life Mm. uh, 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 in a sense to blow themselves up completely transforms the game the bottom line is uh, we live in an era of terror and we're going to live in an era of terror we will not be able to prevent these horrors in Ireland? anywhere we will only be able to contain the number of them Uh, if you as as I said if you fortify London um, they will move to Manchester if you search rucksacks on the way into concerts they will do it at the end of concerts where the security inevitably relax because the priority becomes to get the children out safely. Mm. Um, uh, and, and that's how you do it. So they will always diversify their tactic and approach. And as long as they have uh, young men, and usually young men, prepared to go uh, and you know blow themselves up, then you will always have this terror. So we can only contain it. How do we contain it? There are uh, tens of thousands of people on watch lists at various degrees in the UK, there are tens and tens of more thousands of people who are uh, seen to be likely targets for, for to be subject to uh, fanaticism or to be um, radicalised, and I'm sure there are hundreds in Ireland too. Um, and I, what, what I what I know, what I get a sense of, is that the security agencies here in the UK, at an intensely cooperative level and in, in the European Union and uh, wider, when Britain leaves European, the focus is now on who are these young men. Why Getting are they radicalized? The and uh, they're watching, for example, for any of the like this guy who go go to Africa and, or the Middle East and uh, countries that are destabilized and come back, um, and that the effort is now highly focused on finding, locating, trying to avoid radicalization of. Uh, and predict being one step ahead of him. It's very hard to be one step ahead of a guy who's prepared. Okay, before, but what are you going to do? I mean, are you,
4: what are you suggesting to do? I mean, are you yeah. suggesting wide-scale internment? Are you suggesting deportation? We are. We just had a discussion about the rule of law and mm-hmm. the court system in this country. I mean, the, the 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 bar of evidence is is so high that how are you supposed to? Well, how is the IRA defeated?
3: by all those things infiltration well yes I don't of even
4: claim now that internment was such a, a stunning a stunning exactly. success infiltration mm. um, it,
2: it was and lost new members public, public okay. they were losing members yeah. sure. ok well I just because this feeds into the British chair election just take a listen to this on the Andrew Marshall show this morning Labour shadow Home Secretary Diane Abbott speaking about some of her own previous comments
6: the that particular quote you're referring to comes from a defunct left newspaper and it had as well as but this you said lo- it, didn't you? No 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 but what I'm saying to you is this it was thirty four years ago. I had a rather splendid Afro at the time. I don't have the same hairstyle Do and you I, have I the don't same views? have the same views. It is thirty four okay, years on. The hairstyle has gone and some of the views have gone.
1: So you, you no longer uh, in any you, you regret the fact of what you said then about the IRA.
6: The hairstyle has gone, the views have gone. We've all moved on in the 34 years, haven't you, Andrew?
1: We've all moved on. I'm just wondering, do you regret what you said about the IRA at the, at the, the, the height of the bombing?
6: What specifically do you want me to regret?
1: I, well, you, you, I can read the quote for you I can find it here. Basically, what you said was that a defeat of the IRA would be... Uh, devastating for the British people, and a a defeat for the British state was a good thing, you said, at the time when the IRA was attacking the British state. And you said that the reason for the violence was entirely caused by the British presence in Northern Ireland. I'm saying, do you think those statements now are wrong?
6: It was 34 years ago. I've moved on.
1: You've moved on. All right. I've got the quote here, finally. You said, the the, the Ireland is our struggle. Every defeat of the British state is a victory for all of us. A defeat in Northern Ireland would be a defeat indeed, was the quote. Um,
6: 34 years ago and I've moved on
2: okay. How does this play Finn, on into the British chair election? You have correspondence over there It started off as a Brexit election what, What's your current take on it? It's not fertile polly there
4: No, uh, but uh, what you've seen over the past week uh, is a difficulty that Jeremy Corbyn and now latterly Diane Abbott have, have got in terms of, of past opinions and their comments upon uh, terrorism being, being thrown back at them and a bit of obfuscation a bit of ducking and diving and and so on and so forth so that that can't play all that well in a in a situation where uh, the security of the, of the state comes into question. You're you're probably better off being the in, incumbent uh, government, especially if you are seen to be of the right wing uh, and chairing sides. Cobra meetings. And yeah, uh, and being seen to be. I mean, it was it was quite clear that the the troops on the street uh, issued during the week was was quite clearly a, a straw of stre- strength, and you wonder how much it was in tune with more more propaganda uh, for the for the sitting government than, than an actual uh, effect on the ground. I think
0: if it's going to have any effect on votes, it'll be. Fine for the Conservatives because again they're in power and they can put people into the places where people might be going to the concerts the football matches and what have you um, And but by the 8th of June they, that may well have drifted back to the ordinary bread and butter issues The
3: Conservative strategy was to portray Jeremy Corbyn as odd eccentric and strange Diane Abbott has been a bonus to them in the campaign and that she's been even odder and more eccentric <laughs> and stranger. <laughs> even without her and, and, you know, in, in Britain, uh, in, mm. you know, a little less than here, being unable to unequivocally criticise IRA terrorism is odd, eccentric and strange. Mm. Uh, and it's, it, the Labour Party have just fallen into the trap. My
2: thanks to Barrister and columnist with the Irish Times, Noel Whelan. I hope I get his esteemed title right this time. Editor of the Irish Independent, Finn Ong Sheen, <laughs> and former Finnegale TD and Mr for Justice, Nora Owen.
0: Yates on Sunday
1: on News Talk. Brought to you by SSE Airtricity Business Energy. Proud to power businesses all over Ireland.
5: Energy at work for you.